Hey, welcome to the Northview Young Adults Podcast. My name is Daniel Markin, and I'm joined on this very special afternoon with Paul Siemens. Hey, it's me. Paul. Paul. <laughs> and um, I'm joined with Thalia Sawatsky. Hello. And I'm joined by... That was boring. Thalia. Oh. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Oh, <laughs> that was, that was great. And, and we're also joined by... Let's start this again. No, no, no. This is good. This is great. This is great. This is no what way. people need. And we're joined by Tessa. Hey, guys. It's me, Tessa. Oh, man. Don't we just love hearing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's me, Tessa. Never Tessa, gets welcome old. here. Thank uh, you. This is your first podcast ever. Ever. Wow. Sorry if you can hear my heart pounding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love it. Uh-huh. We love it. And uh, friends, what we're talking about this being a special podcast is in the sense that we want to uh, be recording all of our Northview Young Adults talks, throwing those on a podcast that you guys can be listening to in case you miss it. But also we thought it'd be helpful to actually have other resources for you guys to be able to share with others and to also listen to that would help you. And so in particular, I'm joined by two of the care pastors here at Northview, Paul and Thalia. And glad uh, to be here. Well, it's great to be here. My name's Paul. We need some more cheering, <laughs> clapping, like yeah. what's going on? We can maybe edit that in post. Okay. But what we're gonna be talking about today, friends, is we're gonna be talking about anxiety and depression. And we wanna just basically have a a conversation with you, Tess and I here representing Northview Young Adults, and you guys re- representing the care department at Northview. Mm-hmm. And representing we want you, the middle-aged adults? The middle-aged. <laughs> the Northview. former young adults, way former. <laughs> Northview mid-adults. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we want to talk to you guys about that because you guys are counseling people uh, throughout the day. People go to you uh, for counseling, yep. uh, just to talk through problems, issues, mm-hmm. get insights. Every uh, week. Yeah, every week, biblical wisdom. And uh, you guys deal with a lot of young adults. Yeah, a lot of young adults. Mm. How many do you think a week that you get of young adults? Uh, good question. I'd probably have one or two. Cool. Everyone from about age 12 for me up to in their 70s, but lots of young adults. And especially when it's like midterm or exam season. Oh, man. Yeah, more. And it mm-hmm. is that time as we're recording. True. People are gearing up That's for that true. right now. Mm-hmm. So why don't we dive right in and let's start talking about anxiety it is one of the most commonly used words today, I think. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. a little overused, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. we tend to use, like, I'm anxious or I have anxiety all the time, mm-hmm. or I'm depressed. And we don't actually mean that we have a clinical diagnosis. We just mean that that's what we're feeling like we're suffering from. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like when we say, I love this. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Do you really love it? Yeah. So do you think in your assessment, then, that most people have anxiety? How, where do we draw the line? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. On that. Well, that's a huge question. So people come in to meet with me all the time and they are wondering, do I have anxiety or depression where I need to go to the doctor and get help? Or is this something normal? And they really don't know because I don't think we do a good job of outlining in our families or in our friendship circles what's normal anxiety and depression. So let's talk a little bit about like what were the circumstances around like where would we normally feel anxious or depressed? Mm-hmm. Throw that in. You guys know some ideas. Where we feel anxious, depressed. Well, we talked a little bit about this before, mm-hmm. uh, before we go on stage sometimes. Yeah. Feeling the butterflies in the stomach. Yeah. The kind of unsettling in, the st- in your you know, stomach. Like, yeah. I don't really want to eat anything because yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to hold it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before you speak, like public speaking. Um, I also mm-hmm. mentioned that growing up playing sports, I would get so nervous before games. Yeah. And you could say I was very sure. anxious before games to the point where... I would maybe start the game and just not really be in the zone. Yeah. It was really bizarre. And it usually took about one big hit where I like <laughs> was finally into the football match. And yeah. I'm like, then I was 
in the game. But before that, I was uh, just so timid and, and reserved and Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone who plays a musical instrument or is in band or choir or drama before anything where you want to look good or you want to do well, you're going to feel anxious like that is so totally normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we not, we often call that nerves. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're going to like you guys are saying sports, public speaking or first day on a new job, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like this, you you get that that little butterflies in your stomach. You feel a little nervous about things and. And so that's normal. Yeah. That's a normal bit of anxiety. Yeah. So part of that physical part Mm -hmm. is the stomach churning, headaches, stomach aches, trouble sleeping, hard to relax, really uptight. Mm -hmm. And that can continue for a few minutes or a few hours, depending on how big a deal the thing that you're doing is. So Mm -hmm. like I often think the first month at a new job, whether it's paid or volunteer, a new volunteer position, like that's tough that first month. Mm. Or the first month at a new school, first month in a new program, like it's tough. Mm-hmm. And so kind of expect to feel a level of anxiety pretty much that whole month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even particularly busy times of year, like yeah. in your job or at school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As things ramp up, you can mm-hmm. feel anxious or stressed out or overwhelmed. Yeah. And a lot mm-hmm. of people feel anxious when they're starting a new like dating relationship. Mm-hmm. They think this is going to be really fun to date somebody and then they get feel all this stomach churning stuff and they're like, well, maybe I shouldn't be dating this person because mm-hmm. I really feel anxious. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you want to look good. You want to do a good job in this new dating thing. So you're going to feel a little uptight. Well, because you care about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if it's something that you really care about and you have a very emotionally invested, mm-hmm. like an emotional, emotional investment in it, then yeah. yeah, there's something tied up in it. You don't want to mess it up. No, mm-hmm. no. And you think about planning an event. Well, you might be planning a wedding or you might be planning your parents' anniversary or you might be planning a surprise party for somebody. Well, you want to do a good job and you have lots of lists and things to do. And so you might feel like, oh, my goodness, I think I need to go to the doctor because I think I'm so anxious. I need medication because, like, I'm going crazy. And I'm like, well, yeah, you are because you're planning an important event and you want it to go well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really normal. Some people think they need to be booked into the psych unit, like no joke. Mm. But I'm like, well, it's pretty normal how you're feeling. Yeah. Even when we're faced with, like for me, I often get most anxious when it's the unknown I'm heading into. And then my mind just goes a thousand miles a minute or I, yeah, I just have like um, nervousness or symptoms of anxiety, so to speak. But that's just because I don't know what I'm heading into. And then when it comes, it's okay in the end. Well, that's, yeah, it's, it's pretty normal for me. Well, like you think of a lot of young adults wanting to try out mm-hmm. the Northview young adults on a Friday night, mm-hmm. but they're terrified. Yeah. And sometimes their anxiety will keep them away instead of saying, you know what, you've got some anxious feelings because you're going into a new group and you may not know a lot of people or, and it's going to be a bigger group. You don't know what to expect. Instead of bringing it along, they'll just stay home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. Like you should just really bring your anxious feelings with you and just go into it. Because mm-hmm. the great thing is, is that even if you can't see it, the more you get to know people, the more you realize they're all dealing with the same thing. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Which is honestly one of the reasons we want to start this podcast in particular and this talk about this issue because we want to get a conversation going yeah. on this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're wondering if it's a little bit of um, a current day epidemic mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I see uh, teenagers about 17 and up, as soon as they can kind of drive and they're starting to think about their life outside of grade 12, mm-hmm. I can see the anxiety rising. 
So they're wondering, should I work after grade 12? Should I go to YWAM? Should I go to Cape and Ray? Should I go to a local college, a local university? Should I go further afield? Um, should I date this person, not date this person? What kind of job should I have? I don't know if I like this job. I don't know about that career choice. And they're just spinning with all their choices. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And they feel a little often paralyzed with the amount of choices that we have. Mm. And so I think this choice thing is really um, adding into our feelings of anxiety and ramping it up. And they don't know what to do with this. And unfortunately, because of the breakdown of the family, a lot of people don't have someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. So their mom or their dad might not be available. Their brothers or sisters maybe are grown up or busy with their own lives. Their friends are in the same boat, so they can't really help. Like Everybody's kind of like wondering, I don't know what to do now. Mm-hmm. So it's growing and growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially as like um, we see it on social media. Everyone yeah. is so connected and they're are so many options, like you were saying, like just endless choices. We can do anything or be anything or go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard to, um, just have clarity in your thoughts when you're faced with those choices. So Tessa and Daniel, um, do you guys think social media, uh, amplifies this issue? Yes. One thousand percent (laughs) amplified. I think it does a little bit. Well, I, I, I see it in the sense of, um, everything that we do, Every choice that we make yeah. is now being viewed yes. by mm-hmm. everyone we know. Yeah. And it has to look good mm-hmm. and it has to be compared to others so that it can also be compared well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It totally fosters like a comparison culture. Yeah. We're just always second guessing ourselves and doubting mm-hmm. ourselves and wondering and, and seeing the best of other people. And so feeling like they must have everything together. Totally. Mm-hmm. And then you think like things like Pinterest mm-hmm. and somebody else's craft looks amazing. Yeah. And so now mine <laughs> isn't as good or whatever it is. Have you seen, have you seen those Pinterest fails? Oh yeah. yeah. Those are great. <laughs> <laughs> Where they make, try to make little duck cookies that just, oh, it's so bad. But see, that helps with anxiety to see those totally, fails. Yeah. Yeah. It does not help to see everything look so beautiful and so perfect and so organized and these re- relationships that are so romantic and blah, blah, blah. You're mm. like, oh, my life isn't like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I wonder if that is actually, this is a total aside, and this is this would take us down a bizarre rabbit trail. <laughs> I wonder if that's part of the reason that memes are so popular. <laughs> Probably. Because it, it takes a look at the world and says the world is such a mess, and yeah. everyone just acknowledges that. Yeah. And they can laugh about it. Yeah. Mm. That's probably true. Yeah. No, I think I think it's the, the social media thing where everyone's now looking at you to see, okay, are you going to choose to go away to Cape or YWAM? Because yeah. it better be like the best looking one. You better post some good photos about it. Absolutely. Because you want to be doing something better than someone else is doing, even though if they're just working, like I'm going to start my degree. Mm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't want to take a picture of my classroom. No. Mm-hmm. But I think we compare all the time, I mm-hmm. think in, in this area, in specific specifically Pacific Northwest, right? There's the whole Instagram trend. Yeah. With uh, going outside and taking photos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the more followers you have, the more validation that comes with it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it looks like these people, they're doing this every single week. I know. It's so, all they do. So the anxiety ramps up because maybe I don't have the money to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Or I don't have the time to go there. Or maybe I have a disability and I can't. And so my anxiety ramps up because I'm not keeping up with everybody else around me. Mm-hmm. I'm not traveling the world. I'm not yeah. having these life experiences that they're having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you think about this kind of anxiety, is this kind of anxiety when it comes from these kinds of things, the comparison culture, uh, the look, looking at what other people do going like, oh, I'm not going to be able to achieve that or, or, oh man, I don't have enough money for that. I got to now find a different job so I can get enough money and mm-hmm. all, all these kinds of things. Do you think that's a healthy thing? 
No, no, no. Right? Say no. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a rhetorical no. question, but yeah. yes, like, no, this isn't, it's not healthy. It's not healthy to be constantly looking at your social media device mm. and seeing what your friends are doing and what you're missing out on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know, I know people who have groups of friends and then they look on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever and they go, Oh wait, my friends got together tonight, and I know I wasn't invited. I no, wasn't, why wasn't I? Yeah, why didn't I hear about this? Right, yeah. and then like, it leads right? to and depression. Then all, all, all of a sudden, yes, yeah. right. I thought I was yeah. in with this friend group. I yeah. thought I was making way, like yeah. I'm stepping out of my bubble. Yeah, I've been trying to get involved with them, and now yeah. they're all hanging Where, out without me. And yeah, man, twenty years ago, your friends, you could have a big group of friends, and a smaller group could go do something. And, and nobody would worry about it. Unless you had a pager, which nobody has. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you probably had a pager. I feel like you're the pager guy. You know, the only time I ever had a pager was when I worked um, I worked in the IT industry and I needed one for emergencies for the hotel. Needed, in quotations. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I hated, no, I I hated having the pager because that meant that I had to answer it no matter how early in the morning it went off. Right. Oh. It was awful. Early day texting. Really early day. Yeah. Day. Yeah, but so that's just the thing, isn't it? Like now that we can see everything that everyone is doing all the time, it, it doesn't necessarily like that didn't have to mean something mm-hmm. that a few friends were hanging out. But now mm-hmm. we see it and yeah. we don't know what's behind it. And yeah. we start reading into it. Yeah. And yeah. just then our mind is spiraling yeah. and then we're feeds. doubting ourselves. And, and so it so feeds friends, our anxiety and depression. Yeah, yeah. So friends out there listening, if you're finding that yourself, if you're, if you're finding yourself comparing yourself to all your friends out there, the people on Twitter or uh, mm-hmm. probably not Twitter for you young adults. That's probably that's more guys my age, maybe mid adults, mid adults. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, and you're finding your your anxiety going up because of that. Get off of it. Yeah. Just stop. Do you know, there's an interesting Paul, book. That's you can do that. <laughs> there's a book no, by you can. No, I don't yes, think you so. can. <laughs> you can do it. No, it's there, a choice. It is a choice. There's nothing making you go on it's, either any of those things. Well, we're going to have a podcast on social media and technology. We're going to have to debate yeah. that. That's true. Because I actually think it's a lot harder than we say. It's a choice, though. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Easy for you to say, Paul, you mid-adult. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a fun podcast. Hmm. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so where uh, where should we go next on this? We've kind of defined the terms. We've seen, um, you know what anxiety is and yep. kind of in our lives, you shared some of those things. Uh, what, what's the next progression when you're counseling someone, you're talking someone through this, what, where do you go from there? Well, we should also probably define what is actual anxiety mm. or actual depression. Like medically. Medically. Okay, let's do it. So, and I would encourage you, if someone close to you, your parents, your siblings, somebody who knows you really well is saying that you need help, I would say, please listen, go talk to the doctor, come talk to a care pastor. We'll probably still direct you to, um, Uh, doctor, because you need to get actually properly assessed. Mm -hmm. We are too good at assessing ourselves and Google is not the answer. So, Mm. so generalized anxiety disorder is excessive anxiety worry for um, more days, six months or more, like more Mm. days than not for six months or more, not due to substance abuse. And it significantly impairs your work or your life. Like it is impacting, like you can hardly work or do your hobbies or go to, um, your schoolwork or whatever, like it is absolutely significant. Mm. Most of us throw out, I'm anxious or, or that kind of thing, but it's not generalized anxiety disorder. 
And depression would be for two weeks or more, and it's the kind that majorly impacts your work, your school, your job, your family life, like where everyone is saying something is very, very wrong. That's major depressive disorder, possibly. Mm -hmm. But go get properly assessed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because when you when you go see your doctors and things, they can do blood tests and they can find yeah. out if you're low on yeah. iron or if you're low on your B vitamins or yeah. or whatever it is. There's there's a lot of physical things that can cause us to act a certain way. Yeah, simple mm-hmm. medical mm-hmm. things, simple physical things that they can deal with them, and then all of a sudden your depression or your anxiety gets seriously gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's helpful to hear those terms defined because again, like, um, seeing what everyone is up to these days and just this social media culture, we kind of, the more we talk about anxiety and depression, the more I feel like people kind of just claim that for themselves when it might just be normal anxiety or normal sadness from what's going on in our our life right now. But then we kind of start to hold on to those and maybe use it as an excuse or a crutch. Um, which is not to say that some people aren't actually dealing with these medical disorders, mm-hmm. but yeah. mm-hmm. um, I think it kind of becomes a little bit too easy to mm-hmm. to claim those words for yeah. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'd say watch your friends. Mm-hmm. If they're pulling out of the things they normally would do, pulling off their sports team, not showing up at church, not showing up at community groups, not going to their work, if they're just nowhere to be found and they're basically holed up in their room, that is a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Like, are they isolating themselves? Are they basically staying in bed, can't get out of bed? That is a huge flag. The other flag is when people put on that mask and everything's fine. And you're thinking, but I don't think everything's fine. And they're just like, oh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Mm. But underneath is all kinds of things. So it really depends on people who know you well. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we should be poking our friends if we're just not thinking that they're good. Just asking them, hey, mm-hmm. you seem off. Yeah. What's wrong? Yeah. Do you, like, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Take them aside or something. And, and what say, kind of help are you getting? Who have you talked to? Yeah. Now, what mm-hmm. did you say? Because when I think about this, I would... Especially growing up as a guy, growing up as an athlete, like I was the big jock and stuff. Yeah. For me to say I had any sort of anxiety or depression, for me to say that is very shameful. Yeah. Sure. How do you how do you begin to counsel people who might feel a lot of shame about that? Especially, mm-hmm. especially being Christians. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. you know well, what? If you exactly. pray more yeah. if you're a Christian because that's <laughs> yeah. obviously what's going to fix it. <laughs> right. How would you begin to counsel someone who's right. feeling shame about this? I would also say don't talk to everybody about it. So if you're feeling shame or guilt about it, talk to somebody who you know is in your corner, who loves you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Might be a mom, might be a dad, a grandparent, somebody. You don't have to share it with all your buddies. Well, Mm -hmm. you need to share it with somebody so that they can properly help you to assess what's going on. I don't think everybody needs to know our stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's our own personal things that are going on and we need to protect that. Mm -hmm. But somebody you know will help you with that. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I would say. I can't remember what else you asked. Just the, the shame side of things. How would yeah. you? Well, where, mm-hmm. you know, um, think about what, like, where are you placing your identity, mm-hmm. right? Like, where, where should we be placing our identity as Christians? Our identity, we've been talking about this a lot uh, the last number of weeks through the book of Romans here as we've been preaching through Jeff's preaching or Greg or Ezra or myself even over uh, in mission. Um, but when this idea that we are in Christ this means that our identity now is wrapped up in Jesus. So as a Christian, you should be regularly thinking and about this and thanking him, the fact that you don't have to try to live up to the world's expectations or, mm-hmm. 
or social media's expectations or your uh, your parents' expectations or your family's expectations or your rich friends' expectations or whatever. You don't. These aren't what you need to be living up to. You just need to be living in the fact that you are a adopted child of God now mm-hmm. and f- feeling the joy of that, yeah. feeling the joy of that you have been forgiven of your sins and that you are now eternally blessed. And you, even though you are dealing with suffering now, that this is a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad the suffering is, it is a temporary thing because Jesus has promised you eternity of perfection and glory. Yeah. And that suffering has nothing to say about whether God likes you or not. Right. Yeah. He actually loves you so much that he's willing to allow you to go through that suffering mm-hmm. for your own good because he could stop it. Mm-hmm. But there, there is a reason behind why he's allowing you to go through that suffering. Yeah. I think it's important, Paul, with the identity thing is I think a lot of times, I mean, even growing up in the church, if anyone here has grown up in the church, often we just fall into the rut of, um, I must obey, 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 obey. Yeah. Therefore, I'm accepted. Right. Mm-hmm. But the gospel is completely backwards, like in that way where it's I'm accepted mm-hmm. because I believed upon Christ for my salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because I'm accepted, therefore, I obey. Yeah. And there's freedom there. And I don't mm-hmm. have to feel the anxiousness about not being able to make it or making mm-hmm. like losing my salvation. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if I if I mess up, there's anxiousness there. You, you live in a constant yeah. state of I'm never going to make it. Yeah. I'm always messing up. There's no way I could call myself a Christian. I think when we actually understand it the other way, say, no, you are accepted, therefore obey. And when you mess up, you can keep coming back. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you think of the Psalms. I love the Psalms because David is whining and crying Mm. and groaning all through the Psalms. So if you feel like you're alone in this and you have to be joyful always, well, that's not biblical. Mm. Because if you look from Genesis to Revelation, there are lots of people who are dealing with significant difficulties and crying out to God. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to be doing is crying out to God and telling him all of our difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and you mentioned prayer before and, and Mm -hmm. Thalia just now, but Philippians 4 does talk about not being anxious, mm. right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Yeah. Uh, a survey was done somewhat recently about pastors. Pastor Ezra shared this the other day. Um, how, how many minutes a week do pastors spend in prayer? And the average pastor spends 21 minutes a week in prayer according to this survey of these pastors. So my guess is that if, if that's the pastors, my guess is that the average Christian isn't much better. Mm. Right. So are we, how often are you um, like Thalia said, it's hard to have joy. Yes, but you can always rejoice in what the Lord has done for you, Mm -hmm. even in the bad times. And you can always call to him for help and you can always run to him knowing even if it's hard, you can even tell him you're mad at him. But you by going to him constantly, uh, you are you are claiming your right as a child of God mm-hmm. to to approach him. And not everybody has that. I encourage people to talk honestly with God. God, I call it venting with God respectfully, yeah. of course. But when you drive, when you walk, when you do the dishes, when you are just on your own privately in a locked bathroom somewhere, and tell mm-hmm. him honestly what you're going through. Tattle to him about the things that are upsetting you, the things that are making you anxious, the things that are making you sad, down, depressed. Uh, I think of First Samuel chapter 1. 
Hannah is barren. She can't have a child and she's one of two wives and she's being treated very badly. And so she's at the temple on her knees and she's pouring out her heart to God, but her lips are not moving. It's just all in the quiet of her mind. So then the priest comes along and accuses her of being drunk. So now adds to her difficulties. And she says, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit and I've been pouring out my heart to God. Mm -hmm. And I just think in any difficulty, please pour out your heart to God. He wants to know honestly what's going on. Mm -hmm. He doesn't promise that he's going to necessarily take it away. He may have a purpose in leaving you with the anxious feelings or with some of the depression or whatever, because we're not guaranteed a happy, clappy life. Right. But. He has a purpose in it. And so we want to cling to him regardless of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay to spend times in quiet. Mm-hmm. You, um, my kids constantly are listening to something. They constantly have headphones on or even when they go to bed, they have music playing. Like there's always sound in their life. And I, I, I have a feeling that that's pretty much the norm because I see people walking down the road and, and everybody that I see, unless... It's an elderly Sikh man with a turban. Like they're like the only guys who don't have headphones in, right? So, you know, when I look at our culture and I look, especially at the young people, I'm just seeing people that are constantly bombarding themselves and thinking that they always have to be taking in information, but you don't. Mm. Like turn it off. Allow yourself to sit in silence sometimes and pray, or even like Thalia was saying, as you're doing chores or whatever. Just turn off the media and use that time to pray as you do those things. Mm-hmm. Follow your thoughts and submit those thoughts to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can't turn it off, you could start by turning it low, quiet, mm-hmm. and to just keep it going in the background mm-hmm. and then just start talking honestly to God. Mm-hmm. I think that's partly a huge part of what we're missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about medication? Yeah, let's do it. We are often accused at Northview of saying that medication is sinful. So I want to make it clear. I know. Medication is not sinful. We live in a world where God has given people the gifts of being able to figure out medicine. Like science is a good gift. And so if medicine helps you under the supervision of a doctor, it is okay to take it. Mm-hmm. as the doctor has required you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And if it's not working, like it usually takes a few weeks to kick in, but if it's not working well, go back to the doctor, be under proper supervision, and it can really help. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing what good medication can do. It won't necessarily take away the anxiety disorder or the depression, but it will help it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you to stay on that medication unless the doctor says you can come off it in a certain way. Like it's really helpful. But the, but, but the moment that you're feeling anxious about something, like to know that life is going to be busy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're going to have times of stress in your life. Yep. God made you to work. Yep. God made us not to have a leisurely, easygoing lifestyle. We're supposed to be working. We're supposed to be working hard to love him and yep. love others, mm-hmm. both in our words and our actions. Yeah. And we and, glorify him in our work. And yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And we bring, we bring him glory by doing our work well. Yeah. Uh, so when, when you're feeling stress about a job or, or that kind of thing, don't, don't jump to the fact that, oh, I'm depressed, therefore I need medication. Like that, that's probably not what's going on, mm. right? Like to, we don't want to jump to medication as the first thing. We want to go see the doctor, yes, but check the nutrition. Check, are you sleeping properly? Check if... Oh, uh, I should probably go through the wheel of health then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Ready for that? You guys can help me out. You know it. it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So picture in your mind a circle and then divide that circle into four quarters. 
So for me, the top left is your body, your physical body, because God gave you one. Top right is your mind and emotions. Bottom left is social, because God's created us to be in community. And mm-hmm. then the bottom right is spiritual. So if you think of dealing with ourselves holistically when we're going through anxiety or depression, whether it's an actual diagnosis or whether it's just the feelings of being anxious, we have to think of dealing with ourselves holistically. So as a group, what would we say? How do you take care of your body? Top right, top left corner. How do you take care of your body? Eating well, exercising when you can, or just being active, sleeping yeah. well. What yeah. does eating well look like for a young adult? Well, for me, I have a lots of dietary restrictions, so I'm right. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. But the okay, best Daniel, what do young adult guys say? A guy who's living on his own, what's he eating? Nachos, lots Not- of cheese. <laughs> I mean, what is he eating, or what should he be eating? <laughs> what is he eating? That's <laughs> he's what probably I want. not eating well. Lots right. of craft dinner. He's eating. Right. I mean, probably lots of carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of chips. Mm-hmm. I mean, when lots I, of when sugar. I, when I, yeah, lots of sugar. Mm-hmm. Man. I, I hate thinking about what I used to eat in college. Lots yeah. of beans on toast. Yeah. That's an old mm. British. That's a yes. British meal right there. Yeah. yeah. Beans. But I mean, you just eat that every day. It's not the best thing for you. But I, w- I mean, you're not eating, you're not getting a fair amount of proteins. Hardly mm-hmm. any vegetables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. McDonald's, fast food, anything quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't right. do as well with the stuff in our life when we're not eating properly right. at certain times of the day. And we definitely don't do as well if we're not sleeping very well. Right. Whether you have trouble sleeping or whether you're just not making time for sleep, you will do better with the spiritual side of your life. You'll do better with your friends. You'll do better with your mind if you are eating and sleeping and exercising mm-hmm. and taking your medication as required. And even things like chiropractor, physio, massage, anything that helps your body will help the rest mm-hmm. of you. That's why I always start with mm-hmm. the physical. Mm-hmm. Then next, I always go to the social side. And when people come to meet with me, I always try to find out where's their social support. Mm-hmm. Do you have friends that you can talk to? Do you have family around? Are you in a small group, whether it's a hobby group or some kind of thing? Where is your support? Because as we said earlier, if people pull out of their support, then I'm worried. Yeah, Th- That's a concern for me. So mm-hmm. I need to watch if people have some people that they can be connected with. Mm-hmm. The next area I go to is spiritual. Because mm-hmm. if you're a Christian... You want to be growing even if you're struggling with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So how do we grow spiritually? There's so many ways, but let's list some well, for people. Okay, we'll list the, the usual suspects. Reading your Bible. That's prayer. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are all good. Uh, yeah, reading your Bible, prayer, attending church, yep. attending young adults, being in community group. Uh, other ones I find helpful, I really enjoy listening to podcasts. Yeah. That's really helpful. The Northview has a podcast they've been doing for years called The Extra Podcast. Yeah. Quick plug that Paul and I are often on. Well, I'm, I'm one of the hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that podcast has grown my theology Hmm. over the years and in ways that I don't even know. It just, it just kind of sits in the back of your mind and just over time it, it builds, it Mm -hmm. fills in the cracks of things. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It just kind of slowly expands your knowledge. Yes. I can say the same. Yeah. Yeah. And you're able to recall things that, you know, you wouldn't have any idea about before. Right. So that's enormously helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, watching sermons on YouTube. Or Blogs, articles, yeah, conferences, retreats. Books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those ways are important. What happens is when people are going through significant muck, as I call it, they pull out of spiritual growth. So they don't mm-hmm. come to church anymore. They don't go to community groups anymore. Yeah. They don't read their Bible. They don't mm-hmm. listen to their Bible. They don't pray. They don't nothing. And that makes it worse. I would really mm-hmm. encourage you to do those things, even if it's hard, which it often is, even if it's boring, just as a discipline, mm-hmm. do something to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like to li- read the Bible, then listen to it. I mean, there are so many yeah, God, those drive. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Listen to it when you drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm 1 says that uh, 
the one who meditates on God's word is like a tree planted by streams of mm. water bearing good fruit in season. Yeah. So to meditate on God's word means to sit, you, you read a, maybe you read a chapter in the morning or half a chapter, something like that. Read a, a chunk of verses and maybe even read it two or three times and just go like, what's this, what's this text saying? How is the Lord speaking to me through this text? Because, uh, but sometimes we just read it for the sake of reading it. Like we'll go through our Bible reading plan and we have a goal of getting the Bible done in a year. And so we're reading multiple chapters and we're freaking out because we're looking at the watch mm-hmm. going, oh no, I'm not going to get it done until I can get to work or whatever. But if you're finding yourself just reading it for the sake of reading and not, you're not actually learning from it, slow it down. You don't have to read the Bible in a year. Most Christians throughout history didn't even have a Bible. And their way of meditating on the word was going once a week or maybe twice a week and gathering with other believers and hearing it preached or hearing the, the word read. And then sitting and they think about that, that word all week. Mm-hmm. And they, they, as they live their lives, this is what the pastor read this week. And this is what the verses were saying. And you go and, talk to your friends about it. And you talk you about, about it. Yes, mm-hmm. this is meditating on the word, right? And it's mm-hmm. not just soul, you alone. It's you in community with other believers. I too. mean, for example, how often do we go home and just talk about the sermon? Or when we go for lunch with our friends, do we just do we sometimes take time? Hey, what stood out to you in the sermon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good practice. And that's mm-hmm. an example of meditating. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So we did body. We did social. We did spiritual. The last area is the mind and emotions. And I don't actually mean like crosswords and Sudoku, although mm-hmm. that's not bad. What I mean is when your mind is down in the sludge. How do you help your mind to get one level off of this legend up a little bit more? So these could be things that are spiritual or non-spiritual, but things that help your mind to be a little bit um, clearer, a little bit less, a little bit more distracted, a little bit sometimes like for me, I love to read. Mm. So reading a fiction book kind of just gives me a bit of relief. Mm. Some people like hiking, running, gardening, playing Mm -hmm. guitar, like hobbies fit in that. Mm -hmm. What are the things that help your mind? Mm-hmm. It might be going to a counselor. It might mean meeting with one of us as the care pastors or your youth leader or mm-hmm. somebody. Mm-hmm. But what helps your mind? And you have to think about those because we sometimes need a bit of a break mm-hmm. when we're in the sledge. Yeah. It's something that would relax you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when I think what helps your mind, I'm thinking, well, what's going to actually be beneficial for yeah. my mind? Maybe reading a book, it does that. Right? Reading some John Steinbeck. Amen. Tessa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like TV and Netflix aren't wrong. Yes. It's just maybe not six hours of it, yeah. but a good TV show or a movie can be really great. So it doesn't have to all be spiritual things. They can be things that just don't make the sludge worse. Mm-hmm. So certain TV shows are going to make it worse. Yeah. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. But those are the things. Those four things help us holistically. And yeah. I'm amazed at how many people come in to meet with me and they go, oh, I actually have to do a bit of work. I have to care for myself. I have to intentionally look at caring for my body, getting some social support, making mm-hmm. sure my mind is active with good things, and I have to grow spiritually, even though I'm suffering with all kinds of anxiousness and depression. Mm-hmm. So people are amazed that they actually have to do the work. I'm like, yeah, I can't give you a pill and make it better, which spoke to why you said about medication. Yeah. Medication isn't meant to be the pill that solves it all. We actually have to work on all those other things. Yeah. I used to do these, these things in college. I called them Daniel days. Okay. And uh, I was going to school in Chicago. And so yeah. I would, I loved being downtown. I loved being in the city. It just yeah. energized me. So I, on Did my own. Did that mean you knelt in front of your window and prayed? 
Yeah. No, 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 that was Daniel. <laughs> that was Daniel Diet. I think oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Daniel sorry, Diet. Sorry. Um, no, but uh, I would go downtown and yeah. just walk around and enjoy the sights, uh, sit by the water, mm-hmm. just look through the shops. Yeah. And whatnot. Just it was very relaxing to me. Sometimes yeah. have music going. Yeah. Or a sermon. Um, but just being, I guess for me that was a release. That yes. was an escape. Yeah, whatever re-energizes you, refreshes you, and kind of allows you to go one more step, one more day, are good things. Mm-hmm. Make a note of that for yourself. Mm-hmm. It looks different for each person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's whatever you're interested in. Yeah. What do you enjoy doing? Yeah. One of the So here's my other thing I love doing. After I finish a super stressful semester and whatnot, and you, fin- you go through exam week and you're yeah. done, my favorite thing to do is I'd go home and I would pull out my old Lego sets. Oh. And I would build Lego. Right. Oh, yeah. Because you can sit there in the quiet, your brain's kind of half working, and yeah. all you're doing is you're looking at instructions, you're finding pieces, you're just putting them on. Well, I think that's why adult coloring has gained such a following. Yeah. Mm. Right. People, a lot of us love to color as girls when we were growing up, maybe guys too, but girls particularly. And now we can do it as adults and it looks kind of like cool. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. You're actually kind of good at it now. <laughs> no. Those kinds of things. That's what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's another question then. Yeah. Is anxiety sinful? Can be. Mm-hmm. Can be. It can be. It depends on what kind of actions you have coming out of it. So we have people that will say to us. Or, well, or even ha- the roots of it. For sure. Yeah. So I'll talk about the actions. You talk about the root. Okay. F- for me, people will often use their diagnosis as an excuse to behave badly. So I have a disorder. So that means I can spew on you and I can insult you and I can right. behave badly yeah. on Facebook and social media and I can just bite at people outwardly or I can overuse alcohol or I can sit at my video game all day long because I have a disorder and I'm hurting and whatever. That is not okay. Mm -mm. We still actually have to do that holistic thing where we care for ourselves and we watch out for others and we get involved with people. So depends on if you're using your disorder as an excuse to behave badly, I would say that's Mm -hmm. sinful. Okay. You want to talk about the roots? Yeah. Well, sometimes like we were talking about before the, uh, the identity thing, sometimes Sometimes involve. Sometimes there's idolatry in our lives, and we think about that. And some of you might hear that and go, "Idols? Like, uh, no, I don't have like a statue of Buddha or like uh, you know one of the Hindu gods on my shelf." Like, well, no, but that, that's not what that means. Idolatry can be anything that you put in the place of God. So that could be a, a habit, a sinful habit that you're involved in. That you're like Daniel was saying before. Maybe you're ashamed of something that you're doing. And you don't want to admit it to anybody. Well, but by holding on to this secret and by trying to act like you're perfect and that you're not doing this when you are, uh, you're having to keep up an identity that currently isn't true. Mm. And that is going to cause a whole bunch of anxiety and possibly lead to depression. Mm. So to, to be repenting of your sin is an important thing. And to be... Uh, holding God as the ultimate thing in your life, not not um, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, if, is that a phrase that millennials <laughs> understand? No. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I'll be honest. I have there was a no movie idea called that. what you're talking about. <gasps> Keep really? up with the Joneses. Uh, You've never heard that? Yeah, he has. Well, just, you just mentioned it. Oh, okay. You've heard it. it like, just means but it is more all, of a mid adult thing. All, it, all, all of North mid adults. <laughs> yeah. All it is is looking at, that just means you're looking at other people and you, you want to be who they are. You want to be doing that, right? And so you come to church and you come to young adults and you see all these people that 
are living these clean lives and they look perfect on the outside and everything. You don't see what's going on in their hearts, but yet you know what you're doing in secret. And so you're going, oh, I have to pretend like I'm perfect Mm -hmm. in order to um, in order to have friends here, in order to fit in at church and all these kinds of things. And and that is just exhausting Mm, if you do that. And so that doesn't mean you get up at young adults and go, hey, everybody, I got a porn issue. Like, no, don't. You, you don't want to <laughs> yeah. do that. But but you do want to find a good group of friends that you can be honest with. And mm-hmm. so that when you come there, you can go, you know what? If somebody was to actually ask me about these things, I could be honest because that's not who I am. Mm. I do not identify as my sin. I identify as an adopted child of God because of what Jesus has done for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the identity thing is so huge. It, like, it's something that I have to keep learning in a big way, like in phases. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just think it, it has such an impact on the rest of our lives, especially when we're looking at anxiety and depression that's um, more just circumstantial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we have our identity rooted in Christ, it means that, like, yeah, sure, these life isn't always going to be easy, and we still have to make big decisions, etc. But it, it means that we can have our focus on him and yeah. that we can seek wise counsel yeah. and seek to make good decisions. Yeah. But our main focus is to glorify God, yeah. knowing that he has our best in mind and that um, it will be for our good in the end. Yeah. Rather than just looking at ourselves and everyone else around us and trying to make everyone happy and trying to have my identity in the world and and to live up to all these standards, which is exhausting and impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's such a like transformational thing. And as mm-hmm. yeah, as Christians, like that's I think especially for young adults, that's a, something we need to be reminded mm-hmm. of so often. Is our identity is not in the world. It's not in what we have or what we do. It's in Christ and. He looks at me and says, I'm, I'm good enough. And because he sees Christ and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when we're, yeah, when we're seeking wise counsel from people around us, from the word Mm -hmm. and seeking to glorify God, then these other voices and things of, of the world kind of take a back seat, which is how it should be. Yeah, that's right. Right. I think one of the things that's been very helpful as we've come through Romans is the image of the slave master. And when you're in Christ, you now belong to him. You don't belong to that old slave master, whether it was yeah. drinking yes. or whether it was porn or, or mm-hmm. gossip or, or that comparison. You don't yeah. have to be a slave to that. So no. whenever you feel that tension to go back to it, one of the things that's been so helpful and as I, as I for me, mm-hmm. as I've been thinking about this, is you can say, I don't have to say yes to you anymore. No. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to watch that scene in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have to drink that substance. Yeah. I don't have to turn to that drug or that w- release or whatever. Yeah. Like you can say no to it. Yeah. Cause you, you, it doesn't control you. Yeah. And that knowledge is, oh, amazing. Mm. And mm-hmm. if you're battling it and occasionally you fail like we all do, cause we're sinners. Mm-hmm. What I love is the fact that we can still show up at church with our heads held high and say, you know what? Muck is welcome here. Mm-hmm. We all have it today. We've had it in the past. We will in the future. So like, let's just keep growing spiritually. Let's just keep going with Christ, mm-hmm. no matter what our past has held and no matter what yesterday held. Let's just keep going. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. It is. Lamentations 3.22 says, your mercies are new every morning. Mm-hmm. Great is thy faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we have to cling to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we're rooted in Christ, it means that like when these trials come and when things don't go our way, it means that we're not totally, our world just doesn't fall apart. No. So like, for example, when I started a, a relationship, I had to have 
I had to have such a like check of where my identity is because I have to know if this doesn't work out in the end, yeah, then I'm still okay because I'm, I'm the Lord's, you know, yeah. my identity yeah. is in Christ, not in this relationship, not right. in whatever, yes, in a job. And, and so it means that, yeah, things are still going to hurt and be hard sometimes, but mm-hmm. we can, we can be rooted and steadfast in the love of the Lord and not mm-hmm. be so swayed by these things mm-hmm. that happen mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, totally true. And the Lord, be prepared that the Lord might take those from your life. Maybe he'll mm-hmm. destroy that relationship or you'll lose that job. He allows mm-hmm. these things to happen to again, turn your affections back to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to, to what shape you really you. need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well guys, I mean, we've been talking about this for 43 minutes. I feel like we could go another thousand, three minutes. Um, any last closing thoughts you want to just mention? I, I think, um, that you can take comfort, right? And like, no matter what you're going through, whether you are struggling, if you're struggling with anxiety, depression, maybe you've been struggling with it for a while and uh, you don't know why, uh, you can take comfort in knowing that God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. God's sovereignty, when, when you think about that, when you think about that God is in control and he, I know because his word promises that he is good and he is loving, and that he has uh, everything that happens to me is for my good and for his glory. Because of that, no matter how you feel, you can know that in the end, it will all be good. Mm-hmm. And if you, and wanna... you can find comfort in that and you can rest in that. And if you want to talk to someone a little bit more, Paul and I are very available and open to do that. I meet with women, couples, and families, and Paul meets with men, couples, and families. Mm -hmm. And we would be very willing to talk through your particular situation because we know that in 43 minutes we did not cover the whole of these topics. But hopefully we'll have some more young adult podcasts we can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do they email you to? What's the email? Oh, true. Care at northview.org. Easy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can come to Young Adults and get plugged into a community group yes. and grow in relationship with one another and with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Wow, Tessa, you are so great. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we are so thankful to have you around. This is, um, Bless. this is blessings. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, we should end this on that note. <laughs> we have the mid-adults using hashtags. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, Paul Thaler, thank you so much for your time. And this is really helpful. I hope this is helpful to everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's been and fun. I think it has been a little bit of fun. We had some yeah. laughs. And uh, anyways, we look forward to the next one. Yeah. Um, until then, this has been, I don't know if we have a name for this segment. We're saying maybe maybe ta- table talk. We need a contest if you have name. A, if you have a, a name, you can email tspurling at norfie.org. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> with your name of choice. tspurling norfie.org. And maybe your name will be featured on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.